In Psalms 1, those first three verses, blessed is the man. Oh, how, how, how happy is the man. Uh, the man that's full and fulfilled and joyful. He first in verse 1 uh, says what not to do. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then we see him going from walking to standing. Or stands in the paths of sinners. And then he finally sits down in the seat of the scornful. So, you know, blessed is a man right off uh, who, who, who realizes bad company corrupts good morals and, and uh, I shouldn't be uh, walking, standing, or sitting any near those people. That's not our focus today. Our focus is in verse 2. It continues, so blessed is the man his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, the word law there is simply the first five books of the Bible, called the Torah, the law. That's all that David had at this time. So, you know, down through history, we eventually started calling the Bible the book. That's what the Bible means, right? But we have other words, you know, the Word of God and the Scripture and, and, and so forth. And so this was just his word to say the Bible, Scripture, the Word of God. So in his delighting in the Word of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. That's it. Only those two times. Outside of that, you don't need to. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think if you're hanging out as it says in the verse 1, with the ungodly and the sinners and the scornful, um, I, I think that the things of God probably wouldn't be interesting. You wouldn't find yourself inquisitive about. You probably wouldn't find it fulfilling to you. You know, we have the, the, the concept, you know, where uh, it's little old ladies and children that go to church. Uh, I'd say a big percentage of America feels that way. And so, you know, you're a little old lady with faith and kids that get dragged along by grandma until you're old enough to know better, that's, that's who goes to church. Um, and, and of course, once we begin to learn the Bible, of course, I, I grew up in a church and it was sort of not really worthwhile going to it. Um, they, they didn't want to tell people the Bible because they thought that would make them run away from church. Um, so it was, it was pretty lean. And... Uh, and, and it was hard to go, but if you want to get into the Word and know the Word, there, there, there becomes this hunger. And that's sort of our human nature. I mean, if you, you know somebody fishing that loves fishing, you go to their house and you find 10 magazines they are subscribing to all on fishing. You go into their garage and it's full of fishing stuff, you know? You look at their decorations around the house and it's fish. And flies and, and whatever, they're sort of consumed in it. And it's just sort of the, our nature. We, we get excited about things and, and we want more. It's not less. It's not, okay, I've been fishing for 20 years and I've been subscribing to 10 magazines for 20 years. Uh, I'm, I'm just not interested in reading anymore about fishing. That doesn't happen, does it? I mean, they want to do it it's another 20 years. Well, I think the Word of God, there's a far greater dynamic in that God's Spirit when we receive him, comes into our life, and he himself is groaning and, and helping us 
to, to desire more of God's word. But the flesh and the spirit, right? I mean, our body is never going to say, I want spiritual things. Our body, as Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. I think every time we come to church, there's a little bit of the battle of the flesh, right? Every time it comes to sing, the worship, it's sort of like, ah, oh, okay, you know. There's, a, there's that fight. And of course, being in the Word of God. I mean, Satan doesn't want you there. He's not going to encourage it. And as Paul says, our body's sold under sin into bondage. Oh, wretched man that I am. And so really, it's a, it's a victory you're here today, right? I mean, some of you guys are going, you have no idea what a miracle it is. I'm here today. And all the odds were against me not being here today. And I can't believe I'm here today. It's a miracle. And, and I'd say the same thing, being in the Word. It's, it's a little, you know, mini battle, you know? It's a, a, a little war that you've won every day. If you can beat your body to subjection and, and make your flesh stand still and, and to take some time in God's Word. But I do want to really point out something that's important in this verse too. It does not say to read the Bible. Matter of fact, you won't find anywhere in the Bible that says to read the Bible. Uh, one of the obvious reasons is, is nobody had a Bible to read, right? I mean, in, in Judaism, you have the scroll at the synagogue, and of course you'd have to wait until the leaders came and took it out and went to the rituals, and then you could study it in that building. Um, those who had time were able to do it. And then, of course, they would have their select passages, as the Jews do, that, you know, on each each Saturday of the year they go through it. You don't really learn a lot of it, because they sort of stay with traditional passages. But you do know those traditional passages pretty well if you grew up in it. But to really know the scripture, you'd really have to go a long ways out of your way to get to the synagogue and get a little piece of the scroll and, and, and try to memorize it. Of course, you didn't have a lot of other things going on, you know? You didn't have uh, 13 million channels on your TV and another 13 million on the radio. And, and you know, you, you didn't have a lot of other information getting in the way. You know, you were pretty much limited to how many words you would hear in the course of a day. Especially if you were a shepherd or a fisherman. You know, you'd hear very few words in the course of the day. And, and so you would be, it'd be a lot easier without all that noise, right? To, to meditate on what you were spoken to on, on the Sabbath. But then finally Gutenberg Bible comes out in the 1400s, but guys, in 2,000 years of Christianity, that was, you know, about 500 years ago. And, and really, it was only the rich of the rich of the rich that could get a printed Bible. And then it was in very few languages for a very long time. If you really want to look at, as we are experiencing the Bible today, where you have stacks of them around your house, um, it's really been just the last couple of hundred years of 2,000 years of Christianity, of 6,000 years of human recorded human history that we've been able to read the Bible, okay? So we can read it now. But Jesus made a point 
to the Pharisees in John 5, those who could read the Bible all the time. And he says to them, you study the scriptures because in it you think you'll find life. He's talking to the Pharisees. And they studied it. They memorized it. They read it. But then he said, but these are the scriptures that speak of me. And you want to kill me. So in essence, he says to these Pharisees, reading the Bible is not helping you at all. As a matter of fact, you're, you're about as bad as you can get having read the Bible. I think Satan's read the Bible. <laughs> I think he knows it really, really well. So let's understand, getting the knowledge is not the end goal, is it? And this is why he says the word meditate. That word meditate, it's used, as a matter of fact, in, in Isaiah 31.4, it's of a lion hovering over the prey. So you can imagine a lion who's killed the gazelle, and we've seen it many times, right? It's there going, <laughs> that's the term here. It's, it's groaning. It's muttering. It's, 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 it's something that you're, you're, it's going into your soul deeper and deeper and deeper. Yes, it's the, the same word as a cow regurgitating. You know, the cow has one stomach, but four different processes to regurgitate until it's finally assimilated that, that food. And this is that word. And so, again, if we read the scripture, it's good. I'm glad we can, but in, in no way would we be fulfilling the scripture here if we read it, right? I got the information. Go ahead and quiz me. That's not the point. The point is getting it into our soul, right? That the, the, the being strengthened, as the Bible says, in our inner man. Letting the word of God go deep inside of us in the inner man. And to say, Lord, and, and then to wrestle. Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't have ears to hear. I'm willing to listen to a little bit of what you're saying, but if I listen to everything you're saying, I think that's going to be convicting. I think there's going to have to be some major changes. I think I'm going to have to be more forgiving, less judgmental. <laughs> I think it's going to change the way I, I live my life. And... And, and God, help me. And, and so again, as we meditate on that scripture, I think there's all kinds of things that naturally would be seen in the church that we don't see as often as we should. You know, I think it says, you know, to him who prophesies, let him prophesy. I find when people are meditating in the word, and I know in the Jesus movement, we were prophesying. We just didn't know we were prophesying. It's like we had meditate on the scripture and God would put somebody on our heart that we had to share that scripture with them or the truth that God spoke to us. And we would, you know, find them and do whatever it takes and say, hey, I've got to share something with you, man. The Lord really put this on my heart. And, and it would be the very thing they needed to hear. Or we'd be meditating on that and, and, and we'd bump into somebody at the gas station as our car, car's getting filled up, and we'd just say to the guy next to him, I've got to tell you what I read this morning in the Word, what I've been meditating on. 
this guy's looking at you going, go ahead, man, you know? And you share the scriptures. It's, it's a powerful thing when God's changing us as we ruminate and groan and mutter and, and, and let this thing go deeper into, deeper into our lives. And, and he's saying it plainly. It's, it's, in, it's when you're conscious. It's when you're semi-conscious. It's when you're sleeping. It reminds me that 1 Corinthians 14, he says, we pray with our mind, and we pray when our mind's untruthful, right? And, and there's that, that point where you're so meditating on it, and in and, and your sleep, you're, you're figuring things out. You know, sleep often helps you figure things out that you consciously can't put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And then as you rest and your brain can work on it, it can actually solve some problems. You wake up going, I got it. And it's so cool. God, God in essence, is saying, sleep for you is not a coma where nothing happens. I'll take the time when you're not so energetic in the early mornings, when you're just sort of nodding off in the evening, and when you're totally asleep 24 hours a day. I will be growing you spiritually if you will be, if you're willing. If you're willing, I will help you to have my word go deeper and deeper into your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And look at this. If, if you allow this process to happen, he says you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Um, you know, you guys know the desert here. You're not too far away from it, but you see those oases, right? I know in Borrego, I have a place I love to go and take the leaders, and it's just nothing growing there, but there's this major uh, oasis. I mean, these palm trees have been growing for hundreds. They're just huge. And, and there you got this pond, and you got this beautiful waterfall, and the water's freezing, and it's just this river starts. And what it is, it's underground, right? And, um, and, and somehow the, it's forcing it up as the snow runoff is coming down out of the mountains. It hits that spot, and it's forcing the water up, and of course the river keeps going. But you have these things growing, and, and it doesn't matter if it's hot, it doesn't matter if it's raining, nothing affects it because there's this deep, deep water system underneath it. And that's what he's saying here. If you live that way, you'll have this deep water system. It doesn't matter if you're going through a dry time. It doesn't matter if it rains, if the wind blows. It, nothing affects the growth in your life because your root system is tapped in way underground. And then it says, it brings forth fruit in its season. And so, we all know that's how life works, right? I mean, we don't expect, you know, apples all year round. We expect apples in apple season. But if you know what you're doing, especially in California, you can have something fresh year round, right? I mean, if you, if you know what you're doing, especially if you can uh, get some greenhouses and stuff. And he's just simply saying there's just going to be this constant fruitfulness and and, you know, you're going to get oranges in seasons and apples in seasons and vegetables. And there's just going to be this constant fruitfulness, but it's going to have this different, fresh nuance. 
in your life. You're, you're going to be amazed. You know, you're not eating oranges all year round, 12 months of, you know, you're able to eat an orange orange, and then, you know, you're able to eat a red apple and a yellow banana, and it's fresh and, you know, aesthetically different taste and different colors, and, and there's this freshness in your life. And then he says on the, on the other side, the leaf also will not wither. So you're going to go through hard times, difficult times, but you're not, it's not going to affect you like you've been being affected. It's not going to just dry you up and you're almost dead and you get all pruned back and you hope the tree's going to live. You're not going to have those times in your life anymore as a believer. You'll go through hard times, through trials, but it, it won't be uh, a death sentence or almost a death sentence like maybe it's been in the past. And then the, the last line I've been wanting to try to get to here. And whatever he does shall prosper. Now, just take a note here. This is the grand poobah of all blessings. I mean, come on. If you can think of a bigger, if you can just think up a bigger blessing than this, then let, let me know. You can't. You cannot come up with a greater blessing than this one. It can't be done. And what does God hinge the greatest blessing that can be thought up? He hinges it to his word. Now, he could have hinged that to prayer. He could have hinged that to coming to church and hearing the word of God preached. He could have hinged that to sharing the Lord. He could have hinged that to loving people, forgiving people. I mean, had God hinged the grand poobah of all blessings to it, we wouldn't have questioned it. But the fact that he says, almost he's saying this, if you don't get anything else right about walking with me right now, start here and don't, don't leave this one out. Because if you get this one in, the other ones will flow from it. You understand what I'm saying? And so, again here, whatever you do will prosper. In other words, he's saying, whether it's things spiritual or, or things human, whether it's in the home or whether it's in the job, you remember that Deuteronomy 28, the blessings, you know? He says, if you obey my voice, I'll, the blessings will come and catch you and overwhelm you. I'll bless you the city, I'll bless you the country. Bless you in the kneading bowls, I'll bless you in the herds, I'll bless you. In essence, this is it. And, and, and now it's not hinged to you obeying it perfectly. It's not hinged to you always being faithful and, 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 and getting it right and understanding it all. He just simply says if you'll just allow God's Word to be in your life day and night, just meditating on it, thinking about it. And reading it is a big advantage, by the way, guys. That really helps us. And, and really, I think we do need it in the last days that we're in. Because these are going to be the days of Noah, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, if any time we need to be washed in the Word, this is it. We need the strength of God's Word more than any time in, in human history, especially as the day of the Lord draws nearer and nearer. But, so read it and then meditate on it. And he says, whatever you do will prosper. 
And so I think we just need to stop and, and, and to say, what is the word to God? I mean, he's given us the, his word, and, and he in essence saying, guys, human beings, <laughs> I gave this to you because this is the key to prosperity. Wherever you need, my blessing, my hand, my supernatural touch in your life, this is where it starts. And so you, you, you want to be more blessed at work. You're a salesman down here. You sell tires. You want to be a better salesman. Of course, you want to have a better testimony, right? I mean, it's, it's nice that the world likes you. And you're a likable person. Your testimony is that you're full of the Spirit, full of joy and peace and patience. Oh, here comes so-and-so. Gosh, he's always joyful when I see him. He's always such a patient person. He's always so kind. Well, is it really us? <laughs> Can we be that enough in and of ourselves? I don't think so. We need God's help, don't we? But yet you have this testimony down there, and you find yourself selling more than everybody else. I mean, maybe your marriage. You're at it with one another and going, man, sort of a black cloud when I gotta go home. I like being with my friends, and I gotta go be with my wife or my husband. Ugh. I love working, and I gotta go home with those kids. Ugh. I don't know what to do with those crazy teenagers. Ugh. Well, you need, you need a little prosperity there, don't you? God, God is saying, there's a certain aspects of this life if you don't have God's blessing and God's prosperity there, it's going to be a struggle. So you think about it. The Word of God is literally God's fingerprint. <laughs> you know, we all have our DNA, right? We all have our unique fingerprint. <coughs> the Bible is God's DNA on earth. It's His fingerprint to mankind. So what does God think about his, his scripture here? In Psalms 19, verse 7 through 11, he says, The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Wow. So I, I think it's human nature to see gold and to go, wow. I like that. I want that. I want lots of that. <coughs> sort of crazy how, how we do that. We dig that stuff up out of the ground. People die. And then after we get enough of it, we put it in a brick, and then we put it in a safe somewhere, back in the ground. Was there a lot of wisdom <coughs> doing that, you know? Too bad it doesn't like you know, make, make the environment better. Once we dig it up, we put it in the dust and put it in the air, and, we're, you know, it heals the planet. 
that would be better, right? But instead, we bury it somewhere. And then, of course, we're afraid somebody might steal it. Um, but that's just human nature. We like gold. And then honey. I, I really don't know anything sweeter than honey. It's about as sweet as it comes. And he is saying here to, to the person who the law of the Lord is their delight, it's just like exciting as finding that nugget of gold. It's as exciting as, you know, taking some honey right out of the honeycomb and, and, and eating it right just inches away from the honeycomb where it was made. Psalms 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary food. Psalms 119, 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much in all riches. Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. A few years back, somebody in a garage sale in Oregon found actually part of a Gutenberg's Bible. Crazy how it got to Oregon. In German, it was worth four and a half million dollars. It was. Great treasure. <laughs> Literally. But of course, we're talking about the meditation into our hearts and our lives. And so again, the, the Word of God is valuable. The Word of God is perfect. Again, Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting, restoring, reviving the soul. How, how often do we need that? God, to give us a, a new breath, a new reason to live. This last few years... The suicide rate in America is through the roof. But interesting, the highest is white men in their 50s. Interesting, huh? And, and I, I have learned, you know, in their 30s is sort of one reason you live the way you live. The reason you go to church. In your 40s, you got another reason why you do what you do. In your 50s, you got to come up with another reason. I think a lot of people, they come to church because they're kids. But then the day their kids are gone, they're like, now why are we going to church? I have no idea. <laughs> and the, the, the real motivation, more than them growing in the Lord, was really to, to, the idea of raising their kids without the knowledge of God scared them, or they thought, how can it be? But, but in reality, it didn't go deep into their own hearts. But why am I living? Why am I paying the bills? Why am I fighting the fight? Um, we, need a, we need to have our souls restored. We need to have that word in season to restore the souls of the people in the world around us. In Psalms 12, the words of the Lord are pure words. The silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. That's a way of saying unto perfection, to pureness of gold. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation and what? Forever. Forever. Jesus said it would be easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one little jot or tittle. In Psalms 18.30, <laughs> as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. In other words, tested in its 100% purity. He is a shield to all who trust in him. It is the way we make it through a day. It's the way we grow. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah, you say, man, every word. The Bible's so huge. You know what? If you go home and look at the audio track of the guy in the deep voice reading the old King James Bible before you, in the beginning, God, I can't do it. But it's usually about 72 hours. That's what it is. So if you actually, you know, worked on that, I mean, it, it wouldn't take much if you listened to a half an hour a day or so. You're, you're reading a Bible from cover to cover about every three months, every quarter. You know, the idea of reading it three or four times a year, you're listening and following along as it's being read at that pace, it, it's really not a very big Bible. But God in his wisdom, you know, he, he could have given us a Bible that, you know, would have taken 10,000 years to study. He could have given us a Bible that was so thin we could read it in a week. But he gave it, it's enough, it's a challenge, isn't it? How many of you guys have, have, have read Genesis? How many of you guys have read Jeremiah? How many of you guys have read Hezekiah? There is no Hezekiah. That's the name of the king. <laughs> Tricked you! That was horrible. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's cruel and unusual punishment. Sorry there. Okay. But Jesus made it clear, it's by every word, that there, there's something to grow. And, you know, God's got some of the Bible, like David and Goliath, the child can get that. It's like the little baby crawling over and knocking over the animal cookies, right? Eating animal cracker cookies. But then there's stuff in there that, you know, it's like getting the phrase, the steak out of the freezer and thawing it out and, you know, seasoning it and barbecuing it. You've got to be an adult. And there's a big part of the Bible that's that way. You know, we're going through Hebrews on Wednesday night, and the first thing I, I said as we taught chapter 3 this last week was, you really got to know most of the Bible. <laughs> you got to have a pretty good knowledge of the whole Old Testament to understand Hebrews. And uh, if you don't, you're going to get there quickly as we go through it because a lot of scriptures are, are referenced. And, um, and so, again, this is God's desire that some of it would be easy for you to understand and easy to meditate on it, and other parts would be, it'd be a, a work. To, to really read it and understand it and meditate on it. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the word of God is to be so rich into us that it's meditating that as we share it with each other, it sounds poetic. It sounds musical. There's grace in the hearing of it. You hear some people quote the scriptures and it's rugged. It's like, oh, it's like, I can't listen to you. It sounds hateful and choppy and mean. And, you know, and, and, it, and it's sort of legalistic. And whatever they're getting, it's not the grace and the love and the kindness that we find in the scriptures. When we're just meditating on it for our own lives to grow in the Lord, to be blessed and prosper in all that we do, then and as God speaks it into our hearts, as we share it with one another, it's going to bring, it's like a healing salve to people. 
Guys, what are the odds tomorrow you meet somebody who needs a healing salve in their life? Would, would anybody want to say 100%? But if you're on empty, <laughs> right? Psalms 23, he says you anoint with it, head with oil, and then, then he's splashing it on other people. He's not reaching down in the cup and trying to get a couple little little scrapes of what honey used to take like, and he's like, here, lick this finger. Ah, what's on that finger? Well, there's a little residue of honey on there. You lick it, it'll be sweet. Go ahead. It's like, no, no thanks. But if you, you have honey flowing over the cup, and you're like, ah, watch out, there's some stuff there. It's like, yeah, it's plenty. That's where you want to be, meditate. It's just, it's richly drawing our hearts. We're, we're spilling it out. We're not even trying to be spiritual. It's just who we are. It's, it's just what God's doing in us. It's just we're oozing out grace and love and patience and kindness and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. It's all just, we don't even notice it. Remember Jesus said, I, I know you, you know, I got blessings for you in Matthew 25. He's like, why are you going to bless me? When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick and you came and visited me, and it's like, I don't remember doing any of that. <laughs> Especially, I don't remember doing it to you, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, when you did it to the least, these my brother, you did it to me. But the spiritual guy is just being fruitful. He doesn't even realize how many lives he's touching. He doesn't realize how many people he's blessing. And when the Lord, on the day of reward, points it out to him, he's... You're going to have to remind me because I, I, I didn't really feel like I was some great spiritual blessing. But you were. And, and the fact that God hid that from you so you'd stay humble is, is a part of the game, huh? And so in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's those times. There's several books of the Bible you won't get by just casually reading it. You're going to see names of cities and names of kings and, and, and so forth that, you know, and you're going to have to really understand it. It's going to be a difficult thing. In John 17, 14, I've given them your word. Jesus is praying. And there, that is logos, the written word. But then in the same prayer earlier in John 17, 8, he says, I've given to them your word. This time it's rhema. There's two words for word. The Logos is the written word. We study it. Now with 2 Timothy 2. Study to show yourself approved. Studier of the Logos. But then as we meditate on God's word day and night, he then gives us a rhema, a word and season. Let me show you this. Jesus tells us about this. Jesus says, one day I'm going to be in human flesh. And in human flesh, this is going to be the pattern of my life. And in Isaiah 50, Jesus prophesies about himself one day being in human flesh. He says, the Lord God, this is referring to his father in Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5, has given me the tongue of the learned. And the Greek Septuagint, that's the word disciple. He's given me the tongue of the disciple or learned. That I may know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. How does this happen? He awakens me morning by morning. 
He awakens my ear to hear as the learned or as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. In verse 6, we clearly see it's Christ. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard, and so forth. So we go on, he starts talking about his crucifixion. But Jesus on this earth as a human being, God Almighty in human flesh, he every day, the Father, as he woke up, the Father was there. Again, he didn't have the Bible to read, did he? But yet the things that were important, the Father would bring to mind and he would meditate on them as he's waking up. And then that would become that incredible word of wisdom. You know, how did he know to say to the rich young ruler, go sell all your goods, get the poor, come and follow me. How did he know that? How did he know what to say to Zacchaeus? How did he know what to say to the, the widow that was washing his feet with her hair? How, how did he have these words of wisdom? He received them morning by morning. Well, it's also a place to strengthen our lives. Psalms 119, 28. He says, strengthen me according to your word in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the way that we are thoroughly equipped, prepared for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration to God, 2 Timothy 3. Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's also how we receive power to overcome sin. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Psalms 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then sanctification, this is in the process of, of after being saved to becoming more and more under the Spirit's control and holy as God is holy. John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. In Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water by the word. And then again, you say, man, I just have a hard time praying. The word makes us pray. In John 15, 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what happens? You will ask. You'll find that as you're abiding in the word, it causes you to begin to pray. And whatever you desire, it shall be done for you. And then the word of God helps to guide our lives. Give us direction for the next step. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Joshua 1 may be the inspiration where David got Psalm 1. God, uh, Moses, through the Lord speaking to Joshua through Moses, says the same thing there. In verse 5 through 9, as we end, he says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide the inheritance of the land, which I swore to your fathers to give them. In Joshua 1, 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it, there it is, day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then, 
you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One, one final thought here. You know, when, I, when I'm witnessing to Mormons or Muslims or Hindus, you know, the one thing that I, I point out to them is that their religion makes you have to come and live an abnormal life. You know, if you're a Muslim, you got to carry a blanket, you know, a rug around with you. Hey, where are you going with that rug? I'm going to have to pray for a while, you know. It's sort of odd. And then you say, man, why are they struggling, you know, with the economy? Because they have to stop for five times a day and, and pray for an hour a day. So it's like, hey, throwing football. Oh, stop. Sorry, kids, can't play anymore. We got to get on the roads here. Everybody get their rug out. You know, you get the Hindus, you know, they got to wear the necklaces and have the shaved head and wear the robe, or the, the Buddhist, and, and they, they got to, it's, it's like abnormal, weird. And, and like the Mormons, the same thing. It's like you got to come, all that's important is you're right with our organization. And then once you're right with our organization, our organization will decide whether you're right with God or not. You know, can I just believe in the Lord and study the Word and follow God? No. You gotta also be a Mormon. You gotta also be a Catholic. You gotta also be a Jehovah. You gotta be a part of our little group. And then they start adding these things onto it. You know, the Mormons, you gotta wear holy underwear and you gotta, you know, all these crazy things. And it, it, it's, I'm just saying that it's strange and it doesn't flow. Jesus said, be in the world, not of it. When you look at meditating on the word day and night, it's not asking you to get on your knees like they do in Mexico City and walk uphill to the basilica. And then once you get to the gate, you tie a ribbon onto the gate and God will answer your prayer. He's not asking you to get a special haircut, special jewelry. You think about it. The God of nature, our, our, our founding fathers of our country, said according to our God of nature and nature's God. You guys, you can live in the world and look like a regular human going through a regular human day's job. But yet you're walking in the spirit, right? And in your heart, you're meditating in his word. And that meditation is turning into prayer. And we're going to talk about that next week. And praying without ceasing. And, and there you have this blessing. And God says, I'll prosper you in whatever you do. Because that's how important it is to me for you to have my word in your heart 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So the grand poobah of all blessings is on those who will Understand, as Jesus said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from not the God. Amen? Amen? Thank you for your word today, Lord, and just let it go deep, deep, deep into our hearts. Just as we look at the value, the perfection, we look at what you think about your word. Jesus, you, daily, 
couldn't begin your day without the Father bringing the meditation for the day. And it was from that word that you prospered in all that you did, Jesus. As God in human flesh, it was through the word that, that you did all that you did and prospered in all the ways you prospered. And so, Lord, as we eat food three times a day, Lord, we just ask that man can't live by bread alone, that it's by every word that proceeds from your mouth, that, that we would be knowledgeable of Genesis and Obadiah and Habakkuk and Matthew and Revelation and all the Bible through the years, Lord. We meditate on it, meditate on it until your word is in us and, and it's just so deep in our souls that we are acting it out, we're living it out. The fruit of the Spirit, the love of your Spirit, the joy of your Spirit. We're full of the Spirit. We're, we're oozing out. Lord, just the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We also are sweet as a honeycomb. Our lives become treasured by others because we are so prosperous and fruitful walking a life in the Spirit. So Lord, as we head into 2020, Lord, we want to end this year by saying the Lord has done great things. And we hear what you say about your word. Now put this by the power of your spirit. Just prick our hearts and put it deep into our hearts. If some of us have gotten a little rusty, Lord, let this knock the rust off. If some of us have gotten a little apathetic, Lord, just take away the weak knees and the feeble hands and strengthen them up today that we can all be people of God, walking even as Jesus walked. We lay our lives at your feet. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.